Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and not just your wallet now. We're talking about your life, your safety, your family, as we continue to deal with what right now is unfortunately an out-of-control pandemic in the United States of coronavirus. I want you to know that we are here to answer your questions and try to put your mind at ease and at peace as much as possible. On Clark.com, we are updating articles continually to deal with different aspects of questions you might have about your wallet, for your personal life, the stimulus money, the various assistance levels that are available and how to qualify for them. We have that for you continually updated. So we have gone through a massive sea change since the last two weeks. If you go back to polling two weeks ago, Americans overwhelmingly were not concerned, were not worried about coronavirus. The new polling shows that people in very large numbers are worried that they're going to get it or that a family member is going to get it. Uh, The number of people who aren't worried, who aren't anxious about this is actually very small now as a percent of the overall population. This is a natural cycle with an, unknown, um, with an unknown event like how coronavirus is going to play out. And I want to tell you as I speak to you over our shows over the days and weeks ahead, it's important to acknowledge the anxiety you may feel. But at the same time, I want you to know that we will overcome this. And I think that's very important that we follow the steps necessary. You know, the latest polling shows that 93% of us are now taking steps to maintain distance from other people. Um, Over 90% are staying at home as much as possible. I'm now in day 13 of an almost total quarantine. And the more that we can remove ourselves from what we enjoy in terms of being with other people day to day and the things we do out and about, the more of us will be okay. The brave men and women working in medicine are doing everything they can, including putting their lives on the line, working unbelievable hours to try to save as many of our fellow Americans as possible. And so one of the ways we can thank them is not becoming another patient that they're trying to save. So as much as we possibly can, we need to have ourselves in time out. And there are simple precautions that we all talk about now. It's a matter of carrying them out in order to save our fellow Americans, save ourselves and our family. This isn't forever. But this is going to go on for several more weeks. With that having been said, and I just laid it out starkly, didn't I, Kim? Uh, Kim and Joel are alternating asking questions you're posting at Clark.com ask. And we're getting literally thousands of questions many times just overnight. And so we'll do the best we can to group those so we can represent as many questions as so many of you are asking 
to give you answers you can act on in your own life. So Kim, who do you have? All right. Well, I do want to first piggyback on your segment and just give some really good news. Do you remember about two months ago, we had a caller on named Richard who his wife was pregnant with quadruplets? Yes. They had the babies and everybody is happy and healthy and they just wanted to make sure that you knew. And I just thought that would be a nice way to start today. And and isn't that just a symbolic thing of how life goes on? Exactly. And the optimism that we all have as human beings, even in a time right now that there's there's fear in us, the ultimate thing about us as humans is that we go forward with life and we have optimism for our futures and having a, a baby is perhaps the most optimistic thing anybody can ever do in their lives in a belief about a society's future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can bring some more calm to some more people by answering questions. And Juanita wants to know, she said, I heard if you're on Social Security and you receive less than $30,000 per year, you will not receive the stimulus money. Is this true? I have not seen anything saying that anywhere. So if you're talking about the $1,200 helicopter money, I have not seen that. The The senior citizens that will not receive it are senior citizens that are claimed as a dependent of someone else. Like, let's say an adult child uh, provides a lot of your care and um, pays for more than half of your costs, and they may claim you on their taxes, then you would not be eligible, and they would not receive any um, any helicopter money. But if you live independently, I know of no reason why you would be ineligible for the money. Doug has a question about his stimulus check. He says, I've heard rumors that the COVID-19 stimulus checks are going to be deducted from 2020 income tax refunds if a refund is applicable. Is that correct? No, this is, that's something that a couple of days ago I said I was going to have to read up on because we had another question about how this is affected in terms of taxes. And this is like money falling out of the sky. It is um, essentially a non-taxable gift from the taxpayers collectively to you as an individual taxpayer. And the 1200 bucks per individual and a couple, 2400 the 500 per dependent child, um, that money is just money that's yours to use and to spend as you need or to save for the event that uh, finances become more difficult for you over time. No tax will be due. Kim? All right. Michael says that he is self-employed. He has no employees and he heard that there is no provision for people like him. What do you suggest I do? Is there any program that I can apply for help? Okay. Um, that What's actually different this time is there is assistance to people that are self-employed. Self-employed individuals who've had their incomes crushed are eligible for what I think is the first time ever for unemployment compensation. The unemployment compensation will continue for uh, roughly, I don't know if it's going to be 16 weeks or 17 weeks. I haven't seen final wording on that. It is unemployment compensation you will apply for with your state unemployment insurance group. Um, And we have all the agency information for you with direct hyperlinks for all 50 states on our update to filing for unemployment on Clark.com, 
We also have a deep dive story on it that we did not write, but we linked to at Clark.com on applying for unemployment. So people that are self-employed, people that are independent contractors, people that are gig workers, all three categories that under virtually every state law would be ineligible for unemployment compensation. In all three categories, you are now eligible under the third stimulus bill. Joel? Clark Shane says, I own some rental single-family homes that have Fannie Mae-backed mortgages. Under the new federal legislation, if my tenants can't pay rent, will I have any loan payment forbearance if I can't pay the mortgage on those rental homes? And if yes, well, how will that forbearance work? I am so glad you asked this question because I've been looking for the answer for people who have rental properties underwritten uh, indirectly by the federal government. Now, the legislation is clear that owner-occupied properties, you're able to ask for forbearance for 12 months. I have not found anything that gives me a definitive answer yet for people who have rental properties, because even though this is the first time we've had it on the show, it's the third time I've been asked the question this week by people. You know, off, off the show, people have been asking me who have rental properties that they're worried their tenants aren't going to pay, is there forbearance available for them in what is essentially an uh, investment property, not a personal residence? And hopefully that answer will emerge after um, this is adopted, signed by the president, and the regulations are issued. But for now, I don't know. Kim? Zach says, now that the government is halting student loan interest and payments for six months, does that mean that if I choose to make payments that the payment will go straight towards principal? There's no wording on that yet. You know, there's no interest that's going to be charged. But I've had a number of people ask me, you know, if, I, if I've got my job, everything's fine, should I just keep paying my student loans as agreed? And am I going to get burned by doing that? by missing the interest holiday. So as best I can tell, you will not get benefit of the interest holiday if you continue to pay, although that could change because I need to, I need to step back a second and explain something. And that is when the Congress passes a, a bill and then the president signs it into law, a lot of what's in there is worked out later by administrative agencies by the uh, various federal agencies. So in the case with student loans, it will be the U.S. Department of Education that will ultimately issue guidance on what will happen with something like somebody who says, hey, I don't need a holiday. I'm going to keep paying on my loans. Do you get the benefit of no interest as an additional amount reduced from your loan? That's the kind of thing they'll have to decide because there's nothing I could find in what I've read, because I've read that part of the statute that addresses what happens if somebody voluntarily continues to make those payments. So these kind of questions will be answered over the next several weeks. We only have, uh, in a lot of areas, more general information. Joel? 
Yeah, Clark, Brad has a question that might fall under exactly what you were just mentioning with the clarification from the different agencies, but he says that his wife has automatic payments for her student loans. So will the grace period where the loans don't need to be paid, will will those automatic payments just cease for the time being and then start up again in October? That seems to be the plan because, again, the education department is going to have to make that happen, but their intention is to cease all collections on loans for that period of time. There'd be essentially no billing for loans and many people have them set up as automatic. So there are two ways people do automatics. If you have a bill pay service set up with your checking account and you just automatically pay certain bills every month, you will have to discontinue that if you're doing it for student loans because that would continue to go regardless of the actions of the U.S. Department of Education. On the other hand, if your federal student loan servicer drafts your account each month, that's the activity that will likely automatically cease. So that's a distinction with a difference that's very important that if you don't want to make your payments, that you discontinue automatic bill pay. And let me emphasize again, this is for federal student loans private loans are not included at all to this point private student loan providers are doing basically pretty much nothing for borrowers all the action has been at the federal level here on the clark howard show i thank you so much for the huge number of submissions that you're sending in to us about questions you have at clark.com ask They are helping us so many different ways to get you the information you want and the stories we're writing at Clark.com and what we're seeing from you on social media. It is giving us guidance on how we best can serve you. Plus, we are taking your questions in an uh, unusual format where to get to as many different topics as possible, producers Kim and Joel are asking your questions for you. And here's Kim. So Chase has a question that kind of speaks to the difference of cost of living, how much it varies in our country. Chase says that she's a hairstylist in the Bay Area. She's been shelter in place since day one and had very little notice. She'll easily be off work a minimum of four weeks. Said she was excited about the stimulus package, but she doesn't understand the cap on income. There are many hardworking people in her area that live paycheck to paycheck, making over $99,000 a year. Yeah, and this is one of the things that was a broad brush in the in the speed in which Congress adapted to coronavirus. There were not things put in the system to deal with the extreme differences in cost of living and, in turn, income in different places in the United States. So people who live in the highest-cost cities like Seattle, San Francisco, Um, San Diego, uh, Boston, New York, Washington, they, many who really struggle paycheck to paycheck at incomes that people elsewhere in the country would be like, you got to be kidding me. That's a huge amount of money. What do you mean you're struggling? But that is a reality that the legislation does not account for. So for her, what you've got coming is you will have as a, hairstylist, you're going to have access to California's level 
of unemployment compensation. Even if you normally would not be eligible in your profession, you will get that, plus you'll get the additional $600 a week federal unemployment compensation that will go on for four full months. Joel? Clark Al wrote in, he said, how do I keep my credit in good condition during these difficult times? The short answer is we may not all be able to. A number of various forms of lenders are saying that they are not going to report delinquencies for a period of time that varies from lender to lender through coronavirus. So that's something that for a lot of us may slip by the wayside as we try to just survive. But your first goal, your first priority is to make sure you have food and the basics for yourself and your household. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show as we help you through the financial consequences of coronavirus, answering your questions and giving you the best guidance up to the moment that we can come up with. And I want to talk about one of the best things that the Congress has done financially as a result of emergency legislation involving coronavirus. And it is what they have done to protect small businesses and something I've never seen before, nonprofit organizations as well, with special borrowing provisions that amount to a third of a trillion dollars available for small businesses and nonprofits. So how did they define a small business? As a general rule, it's any organization with less than 500 employees. There are some things there that would invalidate even at smaller numbers, but that's generally the, the idea is businesses with 500 or less employees account for most jobs in the United States. So there's a special SBA borrowing cycle that will be opening very soon. If you have a bank or credit union that you are using as a business, you want to contact them and see if they are an active participant under what's known as the SBA 7A loan program. Now, you have about a one in three chance from what I was able to calculate that the bank or credit union you use is a participant in 7A loans. So if you have a financial institution that is 7A qualified, they will be able to take your application for a loan and the loan amount you can borrow, and this is where the larger employer groups come in, is a ceiling of $10 million. So from the date that the loan is issued. So let's say you find a bank or credit union that can make the loan to you for your business. They process that loan. The day that the loan funds starts a two-month countdown period, to be precise, an eight-week countdown period. And during those eight weeks, certain business expenses you will be able to pay for from the loan and then later by documenting it 
that amount of your loan will be forgiven. All right, so I can predict the future already. There's going to be bureaucratic snafus with that to the max. So having thorough records and full documentation, key. What are the things that qualify you as a business for a portion of these loans being forgiven? During those eight weeks, it will be the money that would have gone to, that you paid rent payments. So you have to pay your rent with this money. But then the amount you paid for that rent for basically two months forgiven. If you own your own facility for your business and you're paying a mortgage, the mortgage money that you pay with the loan forgiven for those two months. Utilities forgiven and payroll forgiven. So the idea is uh, that provision was put in about the mortgages and the rent because a lot of lenders are worried that they're going to be demolished, commercial lenders, by businesses not paying on their mortgages. Same for commercial real estate. Landlords are worried that when their business tenants don't pay rent, that they're going to go bust. So that money was enlightened capitalist self-interest to try to save other parts of the capitalist system funneling money through small businesses. Now, here's where the rubber really meets the road on this. Employees. Under the statute, you are to maintain employment for your employees. And as best I can figure, because this is not written word for word, if you have already laid off your employees, if you bring them back on payroll, then for two months, you can pay them with the loan money, and then that portion of the loan will be forgiven. So you thoroughly document what you paid people, what you paid for rent or mortgage, what you paid for utilities for the two-month period from when the loan funds and the money spent during that period will be forgiven. So specifically, if you have, let's say you have 10 employees going into coronavirus and you lay off half of them, then that will affect how much of your payroll is forgiven. As best I could understand that, if in that simple example I gave, you would get half of the money spent on payroll forgiven for having kept half your employees on. So there's an advantage directly to having everybody on payroll. Now, this is a weird one because there are going to be cases where there's no work for your workers to do, but you'd be paying them not to work, and the feds would be rewarding you for that. Why? Because they're trying to keep the economy from going into a deeper hole and figuring based on what epidemiologists are guessing that we need a, a good number of months, minimum of two, in order to starve out a mass spread of coronavirus. And so that's why that provision is based on that. Now, there are going to be more particulars on this, and you can go to sba.gov, where when I looked a little while ago, there was not a good briefing on this yet, but there will be for sure. 
on how this will work. So that's a lot of information to throw your way. And I know it can feel like, wait, wait, what did Clark say about this, that, or the other? Don't worry about it. The answers will come clear with the information that becomes available in the next week and also in the specific targeted questions that you'll pose for me at clark.com slash ask. Kim? Danny says, my mom just retired last month. Talk about bad timing. She doesn't have a lot of savings. She will primarily depend on social, social security and a small military pension to get by. She also has a small mortgage and she has the money to pay it off sitting in cash right now. Should she go ahead and pay off the mortgage so she can free up the monthly payments or would you advise her to hold on to that cash as she might need it during this crisis? Uh, first of all, I appreciate your mom's service to our country in the military. And second, it would be a good idea now not to liquidate the small amount of cash she has to wipe out the mortgage. In this case, with a very little time remaining on it, it would make sense to pay as agreed for uh, at least a period of time till the dust clears with coronavirus. And I need to emphasize that we're not talking about uh, something that is a multi-year Armageddon for us as a society, like the Great Depression, even something like the Great Recession that many of us experience so head-on starting in 07 forward. But this is a dual-barrel thing, and so the impact feels so much more severe for now. But in the case of your mom and others, this is not something that is a forever kind of thing, not even close. Joel? Clark Sherry says, my husband and I are going through a divorce that is not yet final, but it's been filed. She says, we have a 16-year-old daughter who lives with me. Can I get half of the stimulus check that will be sent to my ex? I was a stay-at-home mom, not working, or is he going to get all of the stimulus check? Um, that is unknown at this time, what will happen in situations with a family that is in the process of getting divorced. And as a practical matter, you are due your portion of that money. And so one question that I would have for you is in the midst of this divorce, and obviously you can't answer this back, but this would be something that is a factor. In 2019, if you filed a tax return for last year, if you filed married filing separately, I think the money would flow to each of you separately rather than one amount of money going to the family. Uh, but that one is one that is kind of out there and how that will play is hard to know. And I, I wish both you and your estranged husband and your child the best. Kim? Sally says her husband and her freelance for the film and television industry and all production has come to a halt. Therefore, there is no money coming in. Luckily, they have a good amount of cash on hand, but it won't last forever. Have you heard of any concessions to help those in our industry? Yes. The unusual provision for unemployment compensation, where you as a freelancer in the film business would normally be just tapped out with no assistance coming to you, you will be eligible as a freelancer for the $600 a week of unemployment compensation uh, 
that will go on for, uh, and I apologize, I don't know if it's going to be 16 weeks or 17 weeks, because that has not been stated clearly. But you would want to go ahead and file for unemployment, where normally your state would likely reject you for unemployment. In this case, because of the temporary rules involved with the coronavirus stimulus laws, you will be eligible to receive that. Even if your state still says nothing for you, you will get the federal money that your state will pass on to you. Joel? Clark Jeff says, my daughter turns 18 this year. Does she need to file a 2019 tax return in order to be able to get that helicopter money? She paid $5 in federal tax last year, so wasn't thinking of filing a return this year. So usually an 18-year-old, unless she's living 100% independently, is not eligible for it, and you will not be eligible for the $500 money because she's 18, older than 16 years old. So if she is a financially independent teenager and she lives life completely on her own, pays her own costs, and you don't claim her as dependent on your taxes, she would be eligible for the helicopter money for the 1200 But that's a lot of ifs, ifs, and ifs. It would be unusual for an 18-year-old to be fully independent from the tax standpoint, from, from how you're looked at from the tax standpoint as an independent adult. Kim? Dan says, we had a child on January 15th of this 2020. Since I could not claim her on my 2019 tax returns, would she not be eligible for the $500 payment? That is a great question. And I've seen nothing about what happens when somebody's had a child born in January, February, or March and the $500, I'm guessing, and this is only a guess, I'm thinking about how would I handle this if I were in the IRS bureaucracy? What I would do in that case is I would give that money back to the family when they file their 2020 return later, that it won't helicopter the money in right now because there'd be no way for the tax system to know that your new bundle of joy exists. And do you see how many of the elements of this are still fill in the blank? And it, there has never been, outside of maybe the commencement of World War II in the week after uh, December 7th, 41, I don't recall any other circumstance or situation, even after the September 11th terrorist attacks, where there was so much legislation with so much money involved uh, passed in such a short period of time with so many of the elements of the intention of these various pieces of, of action that the elements involved still unwritten. So you're going to be frustrated some with the answers I have to give that don't fill in all those blanks because otherwise I would be misleading you and I'd never want to do that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here on the Clark Howard Show, we continue to ask answer your questions that you're posting for me at Clark.com slash ask. And now we have a question from producer Joel. Who are you asking a question for? Clark, this one's from Matthew. He says, I'm in my mid-20s and I'm new to investing with the stock prices being so low and the price of oil falling as well. Would it be a good idea to invest in stocks for oil futures for about 12 to 18 months from now? Well, the oil market is not going to stay in the toilet forever. And the cost of a barrel of oil has been um, destroyed by dictator Putin of Russia, who is trying to undermine the United States. And it looks like a number of oil companies in the United States are not going to survive Putin's assault. So the price of a barrel of oil will recover, but it's unclear which players in the oil industry will still be standing. So this is a circumstance where it would be uh, not speculative investing, but higher risk investing to, to invest right now in a very wounded industry. And one of the purposes of what Putin's trying to do is we in the United States had become the world's largest energy producer. And he's trying to crush our ability to do so because being the world's largest energy producer has given us extra strength in the world economically and politically and he's trying to cut us down and so i think this is a war of attrition and we're going to have companies that just flat out won't make it and that's why investing more widely at your age would be a better idea rather than looking at a shorter term window in a specific industry my built-in bias at your age is going into a total stock market index where you bet on the future of American capitalism would be a better risk level than betting specifically on the energy industry. However, if you have money that you're willing to uh, play with and you wouldn't lose any sleep if you lost it and you wanted to play the speculative bet in the energy market, go ahead. Kim? Mike says that he's currently on a leave of absence from work because he's considered high risk for the virus. Is his leave of absence part of the stimulus plan? Yes. Uh, You are in a case where you are not allowed to work because of your risk level or you are eligible for the federal unemployment compensation where states normally would not consider you to be eligible in most states. In this case, you will be. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to, and this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. 
So the number of questions posted about people having problems with travel suppliers is gigantic. And I want to deal with two big chunks of the travel industry right now, as we've already dealt with people who have vacation rentals. I want to deal with airline tickets and cruises. If you have a trip planned and you go ahead and cancel it, airlines have pretty liberal policies on being able to roll that money forward, free a penalty for future travel at then current fares. The windows vary by supplier, but generally you have a decent window to rebook. On the other hand, if your intention is never to go now, don't cancel until the very last minute before your trip because the odds are very strong that the airline will cancel your flight anyway. And under the rules that airlines are under, if they cancel the flight, you have a 100% right to require that the airline refund your money. Airlines are not being upfront about this or honest, but they have to give you your money back if you ask for it. Airlines would be smarter to do what the cruise lines have done. Cruise lines are giving you a choice on a canceled sailing. And again, don't cancel a cruise before the cruise lines canceled the sailing. But once they've canceled one, you can ask for a refund. Or the cruise line, if you love cruising and you know you're going to go at, at some point in the future, cruise lines are offering various bonuses, including many offering 25% extra money on a cruise if you roll the money forward let the cruise line hold on to it and you rebook for a future date of your choosing within the parameters of their rules but know how important it is for you with an airline to assert your rights because they are very heavily wanting to hold every penny they can get but now that the airlines are getting these huge handouts as part of the Third Stimulus Act, you should know that their need to hold on to your cash is not as strong and that the laws of the nation should be complied with. And if you want a refund, you need to get that refund. If the airline does not cooperate, dispute the charge with your credit card company. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. One of the areas that has really upset people is the unreliability of our distribution chain in the country right now, uh, particularly with people trying to buy groceries or household items. Last week, I went on samsclub.com. I have the Sam's Club premium membership where I get free delivery on most anything at Sam's Club, no minimum order required. It's called their Plus Membership. So I put 16 items in my cart. Out of the 16, by the time I checked out, only 11 were still available. And it wasn't like it took me an hour to put those items in my cart. They were vanishing right before my eyes. And then two of the items went missing somewhere in FedEx's delivery system, never showed up at our house, even though they showed delivered. So we ended up going from 16 to 9. 
the deliveries were much quicker, except for one item that still hasn't shown up, they were much quicker than Sam's had estimated. But again, we only got slightly more than half the items that showed available when I started clicking to put things in my basket. I learned from that that I now buy an item and then go on, close that sale out, buy another item, close that out, so that I'm getting the inventory before somebody beats me to it. And there's a lot of people that are overbuying right now. And it's been a natural reaction. You think about what happened with the toilet paper. You know, in another week or two, we're going to have a surplus of toilet paper in stores that we don't know what we're going to do with. Because people so forward bought toilet paper. And then as it became more scarce, people grabbed it. My um, oldest brother was in Costco during senior hours the other day, and he got the last Warehouse Club pack of their Kirkland Signature toilet paper. And he felt like he had all the gold in the world right in his hands. And so with food, people go to any of the delivery apps, Instacart, Shipped, any of them, uh, go to Amazon to try to do so, Walmart to get groceries. And so many of the items you want to buy, if they don't have live active online inventory, when the delivery person shows up with them, or you go to pick them up where you can pick up groceries, they don't have them. And that's creating more upset in people and more anxiety. I want you to know the way the distribution chains work, it's because we're so much um, forward ordering or forward buying where we're buying more than we normally would because of the shortages we're seeing that are making the shortages worse. We have no shortage of inventory. We have a temporarily, uh, temporary issue with supply chain because people are forward buying. This will all settle down gradually over the next three weeks. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.